You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. We are continuing our series this morning. It's called Redefine, Becoming People Who Live the Way of Jesus. And I I think this series, as we begin and we begin to talk about and as we begin to read the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that really stuck out about followers of Jesus is that followers of Jesus, they're not just talking about the faith. They're not just knowing about the faith. But there's something that truly happens in our hearts as followers of Jesus where we become something. We become something. Jesus transforms our heart in such a way that not only are we living these things out, these principles out, but it becomes who we are. And I think that's the whole goal of this series and the whole goal of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus takes it from a knowledge of of head knowledge. We all have things about the faith that we know about up here, but Jesus wants to take it from here, you knowing things about the faith, to you living things for the faith because it becomes a part of your heart. It becomes a part of who you are. It goes from your head to your heart, and it begins transformation of heart. And as we've been going in this series, the goal is, is that Jesus would come and would do something significant in our lives, something that would change us from the inside out, something that would take an area of our lives and completely transform it as he does as we walk with him. But in this sermon, as he's teaching it, he is really challenging the status quo of the day. Everything that was normal of that day for religious circles, Jesus is taking it, he's grabbing a hold of it, and he's saying, uh-uh, this isn't how we're going to do things. We're going to go in a different direction. We're gonna, I'm going to tell you how it's supposed to be. And I think we should do that at times. We should examine our faith, and we should say, man, is this kind of some man-made stuff I'm doing here, or is this Jesus? Is this what Jesus is teaching in Scripture? And so, so today we're going to get into three key areas that Jesus talks about when it comes to our faith and how we are to redefine, according to Scripture, those three areas, how we're supposed to participate in those three areas. And there are three areas that are so crucial to our faith. One of those is giving. And Jesus talks about giving here and talks about how it's important and talks about how we should do it and how we should not do it. He talks about prayer and how prayer is so vital to the faith and how we should do it and how we should not do it. And last but not least, right, he talks about fasting. He talks about fasting, and, 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 and he begins, and he says, you know what? This is how you should do it, and this is how you should not do it. And for each of these, he's giving us the reasons why and the reasons we should and the reasons we shouldn't. And I think it's so, so enlightening and so important to us that we begin to dive into this because all of us can fall into this performance-based thing that I want to talk to you about today. So I've got a five-year-old daughter at home, and it is a lot of fun because one of the things that she loves to do is she loves to perform for me, okay? And what that looks like at this age is it looks like a lot of Frozen songs, okay? And so what happens usually is I will sit there on the couch on my little armchair, and she will go off to the side and, you know, somewhere hidden, and I will announce at the top of my lungs this, Ladies and gentlemen, presenting to you the wonderful, the amazing, the beautiful Ellie Christine Reyes. And she will run in and she will do a dance and then she will sing a song and she wants my applause at the end of it, right? And she wants me to cheer her on. She wants me to high five her. She wants me to say, you did the most amazing job singing that song. 
and dance, and you are wonderful, okay? <laughs> and so this is what she wants, and I'm, I'm totally okay with this. I'm her dad. I wanna, I'm there to cheer her on. I'm there to pump her up. I'm there to do those kind of things. But let's fast forward a little bit because I think there's something in her heart that we all have and that we all want at times, and we all want approval of others. We all want applause from others. We want to be noticed for the things that we do. And there's these things that we do at times for the applause of others that should be for the applause of God himself only. And so our lives can enter into this place where we begin to live our lives for the approval of others. So we go to work for the approval of our boss. We go to here for this person's approval. And sometimes it's people that we don't even like that we're trying to gain their approval for some reason. And we're living our lives going through this thing where we're doing these things and we're, we, the motive at the end of the day is, I want these people to like me. I want these people to think I'm special. I want these people to give me the big thumbs up at the end of the day and say that I'm a cool person. And, and so in, when it comes to Christian circles, this kind of mindset can enter into that as well. It can enter into the church and it can enter into the ways that I just talked about. Jesus talks about giving. And as he talks about giving, he talks about how we can begin to give for the approval of others. As he talks about prayer, how we can begin to pray for the approval of others so that somebody could say, wow, what a wonderful prayer, Jesse. That was so amazing. That was straight from the King James. Man, you are amazing. And give you the thumbs up at the end of the day for the amazing prayer. And you feel special because of it. So you begin to do it more and more and more with that motive in mind because you want to be noticed by others. And Jesus begins to talk about this religious mindset. He begins to break it down and begins to tell us what truly is important and why we should do the things that we do. So let's begin here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. This is Jesus continuing his sermon on the mount. So just imagine a crowd full of people that he's teaching. And he says these words. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So he's saying here, hey, be careful that the things that you're doing, the righteous acts, these things where you're trying to help people, these things where you're trying to bless people, these things that you're not doing it just so that you could gain the approval of others. Because if that is your goal and that is your motive, the moment you get approval from others, that is your reward, that is it. Jesus wants to go beyond performance with you. He wants to go beyond you doing it just to perform. He wants it to be part of your heart. He wants it to be part of your life. So he says, be careful that you're not doing it with this motive in mind. And he says, he goes right into this and he talks about giving. And he says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So he's specializing now on giving. And I want you to see a couple of things here in this text because I think number one, he does this throughout the next couple of things that we're going to talk about, but he uses this language. He says, when you give. So there's an assumption here that you are going to be giving. There's an assumption here that you are a giver. And what, when Jesus says, when you give, he's not saying, hey, if you decide to give someday. No, he's saying as a follower of Christ, part of your DNA is giving. And I want you to give. I just want you to give with the right heart and the right 
motive. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. And what he's talking about here is that the religious people of that day, let's say the Pharisees, anytime they were going to give a big gift, if they gave a big gift, they wanted everybody to know about it. They wanted the pats on the back all the way down the street, like, oh my goodness, brother, you gave so much to that person. You were a very special person, a very religious person. God is pleased with you. Pat on the back. That's what they wanted. So what they would do if they were going to give a big gift is they would bust out the trumpets, literally. The, tr- the flutes and the trumpets, right? And they would bust out and they would go, do 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 I have everybody's attention? Here's the gift. And everybody's eyes would be on them in that moment with their trumpets so that they could see that they were something special that they gave to the poor. And if we could translate this to us today, I think social media has become our trumpets in some way. That it's easy for us to give it, do an act of service, an act of giving, and to document the whole thing so that everybody could see how special we are. And I think there's some good ways to do that, to get the word out about what we're doing. And there's some things that we do for marketing purposes, right, for our church. But at the same time, if our motive is truly just to do something, to get the approval of others and the pat on the back, then Jesus says, we're doing it wrong. That we're doing it wrong. That that's not the heart and that's not the motive behind what it is that we do that if you have to get an Instagram picture for every good work that you do it's not the right motive it's not the right heart so when you give to the needy don't announce it with trumpets but he says when you give to the needy don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you So all he's saying here, I had a weird way to say it. Jesus is using hyperbole, and he's just exaggerating things. But he's saying, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that you're so secretive about it, you're so quiet about you giving, that nobody knows that your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand is doing, and vice versa. And he's saying, I would rather you follow that model than the previous model that you've seen. I'd rather you be so quiet about it so that nobody knows but me because when you do it this way, I'm going to personally reward you. I'm going to personally reward you. And we see this in Scripture that those who lend to the poor give to the Lord, that the Lord takes this very personally when we give and we help others. He takes it personally when we don't do it, I believe, and he takes it personally when we do do it and he's excited about our giving. But he's saying here, I want you to do it with this motive in mind that you are serving me and that you're serving others and that you're not doing this for the applause of people, for the applause of people. So are we doing what we do for the applause of people? Are we doing everything that we do when it comes to the faith for the applause of people or are we willing to take a back seat to step off the platform and to say, Lord, this is all you. You get the credit for this. You get the, you get the claps for this. You get the applause for this. You get everything. This is for you and you alone. But he continues past giving, and he steps into prayer. And he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So once again, the Pharisees who would blow the trumpets, they'd stand in the street corner whenever it was time to pray, and they would say, Oh, Lord, I've been fasting for seven whole hours because I just love you so much. And they would yell stuff out at the top of their lungs using very religious language. And everybody around them thought, wow, that's what a relationship with God looks like. To use those kind of words, to have that kind of passion, to do it publicly in, the way, in that way, that's what a relationship with God looks like. I can't have that. And so they stood on the streets. And this word hypocrite, just so, so you're aware, was the word that was used for somebody in a play who would wear a mask. And that's what the word hypocrite means in that day. So when Jesus said the word hypocrite, everybody there knew what he was referring to, that he's referring to somebody wearing a mask at a play, somebody who's an actor, a trained actor, acting a certain part. And so when he uses the word hypocrite, he's saying, guys, you are acting a part. It's not who you are on the inside. You're not a giver. You're not a prayer warrior. You're acting. You're pretending. You're playing the part. And I want you to go beyond pretending, and I want you to make this your lifestyle. I want you to be a prayer warrior. I want you to be a giver. I want you to be a faster. I want you to be this. I don't want you to just go through the motions so that you can get a pat on the back. Because what he's saying here at the end of the day is he's saying at the end of the day when you do this for others, and I want you to think about this because if you are giving for others and not for God, if you're, if you're praying for others and not for God, that you might receive an Oscar for it, okay? And all the actors in the world want to receive, you know, the big uh, acting awards. And so, and the Academy Award goes to, so you receive an Academy Award for your performance and giving, right? It means nothing in heaven. Your acting award means nothing in heaven. What means something to God is you having the right motive, the right heart, not coming at it from an acting perspective, but coming at it from a real perspective so that you can be rewarded in this life and the next. So he says, truly I tell you that if you're doing it this way, you've received your reward in full. But now he gives us an explanation of how he wants us to pray. So he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, so once again here, we can even take this and make it very religious. We can say, okay, Jesse just said that. He, he, just, he just read that from right from Scripture, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. So I'm never praying in public ever again. And we could take it to that extreme really quick. Oh, it says it right there, we're not praying in public ever again. But Jesus is getting into the motive here. These people, their motive is so far one way for the approval of others that he's saying, there's a while where you just need to pray in your room with nobody even watching. Because your motive is so far one way that I want to take it back the complete other way. So maybe that's a motive for you. And maybe it's you that needs to go into your room and pray. But I'm telling you, if your only time praying is in public, if your only time praying is over your food in front of others, if your only time praying is that, that there could be a problem with your relationship with God. It could be that your relationship with him is very public and very uh, open to others, but privately, man, you are far, far from God. 
So when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And, w- and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So, so I love this because he begins to explain to us how he wants us to pray. And he says, hey, one of the common things that pagans do is they come into their temples and they say the same thing over and over again for hours and hours at a time. The same little prayer, the temple of Artemis, just saying the, the Artemis, blah, 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 over and over and over again for hours and hours at a time, thinking that if they say it long enough that they'll get the attention of Artemis. And he's saying that doesn't work. It's not the way that we pray. It's not the way that I want you to process and to live this life of prayer. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And he gives us this huge example here. And I think as you read this, you should feel so loved. You should feel so loved that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him. He still wants you to ask for it. He still wants you. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. He knows what you need, but but he wants you to ask for it. He wants a relationship with you. He desires to hear from you, and he already knows what you need before you even ask him because he's that interested in your life. I hope that makes you feel loved and cared about. But he breaks down now how we should pray. So how should we pray? He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I want you to notice here that very first line, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus is taking something that is very, very serious prayer. It is serious. He's taking something that is looked at as very religious and is looked at as something that's not very relational. And he's making it so relational by calling God Father. Father God, my Father in heaven. There's relationship there that's beyond just somebody in the clouds. There's relationship there than just a God who's far away. There's a close, tight-knit relationship when he can call God Father. And that is for you and I as well, that it doesn't have to be us praying on the street corner, using a bunch of words, using a bunch of religious language, but it can truly be a relationship with him that uses normal words, normal conversation, And he's using normal conversation here to say, our Father who art in heaven. And he's saying, let's take the focus off of us. Hallowed be your name. It's not about us standing on the street corner praying so we can get noticed. It's about you getting noticed. So hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom and me building my kingdom here on this earth. But your kingdom, God, it's about you. So it's taking the focus off of ourselves here and putting it back on to God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he gets into some of the practical things. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive others. But it's interesting in these very next, this very next passage that Jesus wants to focus on something in that prayer even a little bit more. 
that this is something that people in the crowd must be dealing with. And if people in the crowd are dealing with that, let me tell you, you and I are probably dealing with this very same thing. So what does he say? He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, there's something about receiving forgiveness in a true way that you feel so loved and you feel so appreciative of the grace that has been shown to you that you just can't help show that grace to others. And Jesus is saying here, this is super important for followers of Jesus, that if you receive forgiveness from me, then I want you to extend that same forgiveness to others. I want that to be a part of who you are. So he finishes up prayer here, and he begins to turn the page into fasting. So once again, there's three principles here, right? Three specific areas. There's giving, there's prayer, and now there is fasting. And he uses that word, that phrase, when you fast. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So what does that mean? It means that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, they would fast and they wouldn't wash for a week so that people would know, man, you're looking pretty gross, bro. Your hair, out of control. Your face, dirt all over it. What's going on? I'm fasting. Oh, I'm about to faint. Oh, hang on. Hold on to me. Oh, oh. okay, I'm good now. I'm, I'm just fasting, okay? I'm, you know, I'm just very religious, so I'm fasting. And, and so, so every opportunity was an opportunity for them to show that they were fasting by the way that they look and the way that they acted and the way that they talked and the way that they presented themselves. They were trying to show the whole world how religious they were, and they were putting on a show for everybody. So Jesus, he turns the page and tells us, this is how I want you to fast. This is how I want you to do that. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he says, when you fast, do it to where other people don't even know about it. Where they don't even know. You say, Jesse, so does that mean I could never tell anybody whenever I'm fasting? I don't think we even have to go to that extreme, okay? If you're over here telling everybody with your trumpets and looking all, you know, messed up, then, then that's one thing, okay? But if, let me give you an example. I had a friend who um, was fasting for a couple of days, and at work, they were seen not eating lunch. And so a friend thought, man, they must be struggling financially, so let me help them out. I'm going to buy them some lunch today. So they went up to him, hey, let's go out to lunch. It's on me today. And, uh, and you know, hey, don't worry about it. You know, they were like, no, no, it's okay, not, not today. Like, no, no, we're, you're coming, okay? We're going to make this happen. So finally they had to say, no, no, the reason is because I'm fasting, okay? And their motive wasn't to be known. Their motive wasn't to be seen. Their motive there by telling them was just to say, hey, I appreciate the gesture, but I'm, I'm actually fasting right now. And so we need to think about those things, but the heart of it is not to take it to a religious place where we can't pray publicly or where we can't give without anybody ever knowing or we can't fast without anybody ever knowing, but it's truly to transform our hearts in such a way that says, hey, God, my heart and my motive is to please you not to please others. 
So everything that I do for the faith, it's not so that other people can applaud me, so that other people can give me a high five. It's so that I can please you. You are the one that I want to please, Lord. And I want to please you and I want to help others. And I want to be able to do that in a secret kind of way because that's where my heart comes from. And only Jesus can do this in our hearts. But the closer we get with him, the better it is. And so giving, God wants us to give generously to help people. He wants us to pray, to spend time with Jesus. He wants us to fast so that we can experience a dependence on him. And these are practices that begin to shape who we are. And it helps us to get to that place where we are being redefined, becoming people who live the way of Jesus. So if we're going to be redefined, becoming people of the way that live the way of Jesus, it's going to be because we begin to practice some of these things, that we practice prayer, that we practice giving, that we practice fasting. Those are the things that are going to take us to the next level in our relationship with God as we become more and more like Him. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.